You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into this Friday episode here on Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week covering your New Orleans Saints. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you. It is almost the weekend, y'all, and the Houston Texans give us a brand new free agent to discuss this morning for our free agency Friday. So should the Saints be interested in J.J. Watt? We'll talk about whether or not the best defensive player in Houston franchise history fits at all with the New Orleans Saints. Then we'll keep with the edge rusher theme. Keep that going for the show. Should the Saints retain Trey Hendrickson? We'll talk about what a contract could look like and whether or not the Saints should pay off of one year of production to keep Hendrickson in New Orleans. And then finally, we'll wrap up with our Facebook Friday. Your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. Could the Saints be making any kind of change at the wide receiver position this offseason? As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host on the Locked On NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. All right, family. So it's a bit of an exciting morning here on this Friday morning. The Houston Texans have released defensive lineman J.J. Watt, the best defensive player in Houston, Texas franchise history, now hits the market after a uh, mutually agreed upon release. So they could have easily found a trade partner for him. He asked to be released and he wanted to essentially be able to go out there and find the team that he wanted to play for. And the Houston Texans gave him that. Uh, they knew that there was no way he was going to be on this team this offseason. So at least there's some amicable thing that the Houston Texans have done so far this offseason. That may be the one and only that we see uh, throughout the rest of the offseason here. But that means J.J. Watt is on the open market. He is a free agent. The Houston Texans missing out on players like J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, Shadavion Clowney. But going elsewhere and still being able to find places with other teams. And J.J. Watt will be the next in that series. Could that landing spot be New Orleans? Now, I'm going to just be very, very honest about this. I don't know that it is. I do think that J.J. Watt still has a lot left in the tank. I know he played 16 games last year, only had five sacks, but I think that that is an anomaly of a season. Not an anomaly of a season, but there are reasons for that season. I mean, you saw how dejected the Houston Texans were as a team, those poor players all throughout the 2020 season. I don't think that J.J. Watt was at all impervious to that by any means. So I do think that he was affected by that. Only had He had less than a handful of sacks uh, the season before that, but only played eight games. We know that he's missed several games over his career with injuries, but he's not that far removed from a first-team All-Pro Pro Bowl year with 16 sacks. But are you signing J.J. Watt at 32 years old? He turns 32 next month in March. Are you signing him to be a 16-sack guy? Or are you signing him to be a veteran piece in your defensive line? I think it's more the latter for the New Orleans Saints. So this is the way that I look at whether or not the Saints should sign J.J. Watt. I think that the Saints should call J.J. Watt's agent. They should have a number in mind. If the agent or J.J. Watt exceed that number at any point in the negotiation or in initial talks or in a temperature gauging conversation, 
then I think the New Orleans Saints say, okay, thanks. It was great talking to you. You will have no problem finding another team. We wish you the best of luck wherever it is that you land. I think that that's kind of the way that they that they go about it, if they show any interest at all. I don't think that at this point in his career, you're signing J.J. Watt to be a 10, 12, 13 sack guy. You're signing him to be maybe a seven or eight sack guy, which still costs a lot of money, right? Like that's not a cheap guy to have on your defensive line, but you're signing J.J. Watt because of all the other things that he does, because he's productive against the run, because he's a leader, because he's a veteran leader. He has mad experience in this game. He's one of the most respected players in the NFL. You're signing him to be the locker room guy, but you're signing him to produce on the field at a level that works in concert with the rest of your defensive line talent, as opposed to what other teams will be might be looking to do, which is sign him to bolster their defensive line talent. The Jaguars should be on the phone. The Titans should be on the phone. The Packers should be on the phone. Hell, the pa- the, the Bucks should be on the phone. This is what they do. There are teams out there that are going to be calling J.J. Watt because they need to replace sack production because they're losing free agents, or they didn't have sack production last year, and they were bottom of the league in sacks, and they're looking for you know th- that player that can come in and give them that extra juice, and they have the extra salary cap. Let me throw the the the, the Browns out there as a part of that equation. So I think that that's the thing, right? That's what you're competing with. And so it comes down to what is J.J. Watt looking for? Is he looking to go to a team to where he becomes the number one guy on the defensive line? Or does he look for a team where he becomes a guy on what could be the number one defensive line? Like It kind of depends on what piece he wants to play, what role he wants to play. And I still think that even at the latter part where he wants to be a guy on the number one defensive line as opposed to the number one guy on a defensive line, that even in that case, you still probably have to pay him a one-year, eight, nine million dollar contract. And I'm not sure if the Saints would rather do that than give that same type of a contract structure or even an extended contract structure to an in-house free agent, which they've always focused on keeping the band together in Trey Hendrickson, for instance, who may cost a little bit more because he had a 13 and a half sack season last year. He's younger, he's coming off of a rookie contract. All those things usually point to a higher paid contract, but you might feel a little bit more comfortable giving him a three-year deal and spreading the cap hit out as opposed to what might be a one or two short-term deal, one or two-year short-term deal with J.J. Watt. So that's my stance on J.J. Watt. I think that the Saints should call. I think they should have a number in mind. If that number gets exceeded, then you're okay and you move on. You still have a very talented defensive line. J.J. Watt does immediately become the biggest name on your defensive line. Yes, even bigger than Cam Jordan. We're talking about a guy that was the best player in franchise history at his former team and took the league by storm, having a 20-sack season, a 17-and-a-half-sack season, a 16-sack season. He it would become the biggest name on the defensive line, but where does he fit in in terms of his role, right? He can play anywhere. You can play him inside, you can play him outside. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass. He's a good locker room guy, all those things. He would be a good fit for the New Orleans Saints. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But monetarily, fiscally, is he a good fit? That's the other part of the conversation. And how much is his market market driven up by some of these other teams that are also going to be on the phone trying to get in touch with him? I think in that case, the Saints set a number. If it goes above that number, they're good. So maybe the Saints won't be able to sign one of the greatest of all time at the position. However, they can still maintain one of the best that they have in the building and Trey Hendrickson. We'll talk about him next. What would a contract for Trey Hendrickson look like? And should the Saints pay a big deal off of one year of sack production? We'll talk about that and more as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
Hey y'all, Valentine's Day right around the corner, just a couple days away if you're looking for the perfect gift for your health conscious partner, go and check out BuiltBar.com. They have a new flavor up right now exclusively for Valentine's Day. You're going to love it. Coconut Brownie Chunk. We have folks on this network that absolutely despise coconut and absolutely love this bar. Like it's their favorite bar. I love coconut. These kind of taste like an almond joy to me. I love these. Dark chocolate, coconut, real brownie chunks. It really doesn't get any better. And with all of that, dark chocolate, coconut, brownie chunks, only 150 calories per bar, 15 grams of protein, and only seven grams of sugar. It's a limited time flavor. So go and get it today because it might be going by tomorrow. BuiltBar.com. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to get 20% off of your next order. BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked On. All right, Huda Nation, once you're done here with today's episode, don't forget to go and check out Peter Bukowski over at Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories and analysis with our local experts. Start your day off with all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. All right, want to start off real quick with a quick five-star Friday. Give a shout out to at, uh, I think it's Dermonge. It's D-E-R-M-O-N-G. Uh, dropping a review back on the 16th of last month. I haven't been able to get back to it, so I apologize. But uh, a lifer of a Saints fan listening in for the show saying it's a must listen. So I appreciate you very, very, very much. Thank you very much for the review. If you're interested, you can go and drop a five-star review over on Locked on Saints over on iTunes. We'll make sure that we get you a shout out here on the show. And don't forget to put your Twitter handle on there too, so I can reach out and uh, give a little extra thank you as well. So I I appreciate y'all very much for all the support here with the show. We're going to keep rolling along here throughout the offseason, and it all begins with the in-house free agent. So let's take a look at one of the probably most hotly discussed uh, in-house free agents for the New Orleans Saints. It's edge rusher, defensive end, Trey Hendrickson. Should the Saints re-sign Trey Hendrickson? What does the contract look like? Here's the way that I I look at it. So if you look at him on SpotRack, SpotRack says that Trey Hendrickson's going rate, if you will, his his market value for next season is going to be around $10.3 million per year. Now, remember that average per year doesn't actually mean anything in contracts. We we talk about it a bunch, but it doesn't mean as much. You could have a $10.3 million per year contract but what? how much does it actually pay out the first year? So the Saints would have to build around this idea of like a three-year, $30.9 million contract, but then build it out so that, yes, the average is $10.3 million, but the first year has as low of a hit as possible. For instance, if you give, let's just say for the sake of it, a $12 million signing bonus with that, right? $30.9 million, you give $12 million of those right up front, then all of a sudden you can break that up over four years or over the three years. It's a four million per year hit right there. But then you can average out the base salary in such a way that it doesn't really hurt you as much. So you can do the base salary at one million for the first year. And then the base just kind of has to go up from there over the next couple of seasons because you still have $18.9 million to end up paying out. So you're leaving yourself with like $17 million or so that you're paying out over the other two years. So his salary cap would then jump up over the next two years to 8.9 and a half or so 
over those final two seasons in terms of base salary, but then you also still have the $4 million on top of that. All of a sudden, you're paying about 12.9 in 2022-2023. Is that okay, right? To where you're paying, to where you're really only coming out of pocket for $5 million in 2021, but then it goes up to 12.8, 12.9 over the next two seasons. Are you okay with that? Does that sound like a good contract structure to you? That might sound great for the Saints. And then especially if they keep a low guarantee on top of that, then they can be out from under most of those guarantees by the first year. If it's not working or if you get only one year of bad production, essentially, if he like, I don't know, Dante follows you, for instance, where he has, you know, Dante Fowler in 2019 had an 11 and a half sack season. The Atlanta Falcons ended up signing him away from the Los Angeles Rams, signing him to a three-year, $45 million contract with a $14 million signing bonus. So they did something similar. His first year was only a $6.6 million hit. And then it escalates after that to where he's on the hook right now. The Falcons are for $18.5 million on Dante Fowler. So obviously you want to stay away from that kind of a hit because the first year under that contract, three sacks. So, you know, that's the tough part, right? Are you okay with putting that kind of money on the line based on one year of production, knowing that it can come back and bite you? Or it could work out just fine. We've also seen it work out great in other situations as well across the NFL. So it, it, it kind of depends, right? Do you believe in your own production of this player because of the development that you've seen across the defensive line as well? Now, just to be clear, if the Saints were to be able to go in on a three-year, $30.9 million contract and make that work to where you know you have that $5 million hit the first year, maybe you could even go up to six save yourself a little bit of money on the back end to where you're looking at $11 million the next year and then $12.9 million the next year, then that's great. Like I think that's a good contract structure for him, especially if the guarantees are, let's say, team friendly because you've already given him a $12 million signing bonus at that point. So if you cut him after this year, that signing bonus alone costs you $8 million in dead cap. So what are the other guarantees and things like that? That's, of course, what he's going to be looking at as well. But I don't think he's going to get a very guarantee-heavy contract elsewhere based upon what we've seen from first-year pass rushers. We don't really see that much in terms of, of guarantees that are given unless you're the Atlanta Falcons. They give a ton of guarantee money. They actually guaranteed $23 million of Dante Fowler's $45 million contract. Remember, they have done this over and over again in terms of overpaying one-year producing edge rushers. I think that you see the Saints be a little bit more smart about that. I think you'll see the rest of the NFL be a little bit smarter about that, especially with the salary cap being what it is. But there is a contract structure that works with keeping Trey Hendrickson around that puts him at what his estimated market value is and is still conducive and works within the salary cap parameters that the Saints are going to want to set this offseason. Where again, you're talking about a $5 million hit, for instance, a $6 million hit. You can make your choice based upon the contract structure the way you want to go about it because of the fact that you can elevate or escalate rather that base salary as much as you want from one year to another. So they can continue to build that out. They can continue to build it out too, to where maybe next year, instead of them evenly splitting the remaining salary cap that hasn't been paid out of that signing bonus and hasn't been paid in the first year, they escalate that a bit to where maybe they say, okay, we'll move you up to $10 million. And then that way, the next year, you're really looking at something that's more akin to $14 million in three years. But by then, all of the guaranteed money is paid out, for instance. And so it's a $4 million cap hit to cut him if he's not producing. But then if he is producing, you have an escalating contract that pays him for his production already built in. 
So there are ways to do this without shooting yourself in the foot. You just have to be smart and not get into the bidding war across the NFL with some of these other teams like the Jaguars, like the the Cincinnati Bengals, like the Cleveland Browns that do have money to spend that might be looking for this additional you know boost in their pass rush. You can't allow yourself to get into the bidding war. You have to instead give yourself that moment where you can say, okay, and this is what the Saints have done very well over the last few years. Remember, they didn't re-sign Von Bell. They only went so far in their talks with Jimmy Graham. We've seen them do this. They'll set a price and they'll say, this is what we're willing to pay. If you're not willing to play at that, right, with that salary, then we'll move on and we have somebody ready, loaded in the cannon to, to kind of sign and bring in. And so with that being the case, I think you would see the same thing with Trey Hendrickson. Is it possible for the Saints to re-sign him and give him the money that he wants and deserves based on the market? Yes. But will they give him that? The way that I'll continuously say this for the rest of the offseason, the New Orleans Saints can make the amount of money that they want to pay each individual player work, but they will not go over a certain level in order to get these guys to stick around or bring these guys in if they're incoming free agents from elsewhere. So yes, there's a way to do it. Yes, there's a way to do it that protects you if you do decide to sign somebody off of one year of production. There are reasons to pr- to to trust the production and development that you've seen based upon the production and development you've seen elsewhere on the defensive line from guys like David Onyemata, Sheldon Rankin, Shy Tuttle, so on and so forth. But the one thing that the Saints need to avoid doing and certainly will avoid doing is getting into a bidding war with the rest of the NFL. They want to dictate their price. They don't want that price dictated for them. Many, many more free agents that will continue to break down possible contracts, fits, so on and so forth with when it comes throughout this offseason on our Facebook Fridays. But of course, on Fridays, we always get to your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. We'll get to those next here in just a moment on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. I love taking y'all's questions from over on that Facebook group because it's always a good bet that y'all are going to come through with the best questions. And uh, I'm always about a good bet, especially because our good friends over at betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing, as well as, speaking of full swing, the MLB right around the corner as well. BetOnline also covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, Real-time updated odds and props on almost everything that you can imagine and more. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device and download the app and head over to betonline.ag and sign up today with the promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 50% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On. On your first deposit with a brand new account over at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get it, family. We're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with your questions from the Locked on Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Locked on Saints. But before we continue on, I want to remind you of the Locked on Bets podcast. We got everything that you need to know about the New Orleans Saints here on Locked on Saints. But if you're looking for the betting edge, head over to Locked on Bets, the podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. All right, so want to get to your questions here from the Locked On Saints Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Locked On Saints. Got a quick four questions here that we'll run through. We'll start off with Hank Harrell. Would it be worth it to release Emmanuel Sanders 
and sign Curtis Samuel. So I think that Curtis Samuel is a better option with Emmanuel Sanders on the field because essentially you would use Emmanuel, excuse me, Curtis Samuel out of the backfield. You would use him, you would just use him in so many different places that still having that number two classic Z flanker receiver would be a good idea. Now, releasing uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders does save you money, right? Post June one release, I think saves you $6 million, if I remember correctly. Just cutting them saves you four. So, you know, one or the other in terms of what you feel is 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 better for the team in terms of saving that salary cap number. But in terms of the the process of utilizing those players, Curtis Samuel just plays in so many different places, out of the slot, in the backfield, in line. Like you can do so many things with him. You're not going to have him blocked by any means, but you can put him in so many places and use him in so many different ways that I think that's still having that traditional, that traditional, excuse me, Z flanker like um, Emmanuel Sanders is a good benefit in addition to Curtis Samuel. Now, remember, there are ways to restructure contracts and and make things work so that you can drop some of that positional spending and still add talent at the receiver position. Next, we'll go to Michael Murray. Do you think that the loss of Terry Fontenot will hurt the Saints this coming season? I think it depends on who they go to. If they go to Michael Parenton in his place, then I think you have enough continuity there and, and enough of a continuation of somebody that learned under Fontenot that you still very much get that same prowess in that pro personnel director position or or general manager of pro personnel. I don't know if they're going to move the next guy up and call him the GM of pro personnel. Maybe they'll give him some some room for advancement, give him the director title, something like that. So I, I think that that is an advantageous thing for the Saints. If they can move directly to somebody that learned under Terry Fontenot for, for years, then I think that that still works for them. If they end up having to bring somebody else brand new in from outside the organization, then I think that maybe that's where you see a little bit start to fall off. But if you can bring somebody in and maintain the continuity of the, the family of the, the Saint staff, then I think you're going to be okay. I, I don't think he's going to be immediately as good as Terry Fontenot. I still think Terry Fontenot is going to be Terry Fontenot over in uh, Atlanta. But with him having to sort of pay attention to more things and be involved, have his hands in more pots, things like that, then maybe the Saints don't drop off as much because he's not going to be out there actively recruiting pro personnel. He has to be focused on the draft. He has to be focused on the facilities. He has to be focused on the in-house guys, things like that. So so we'll see. I mean, certainly if you start to see free agents fly away from the in-house portion of free agency for the Saints, then maybe that's where you see the hit with losing Terry Fontenot. But because they didn't fire Terry Fontenot or they didn't move on from Terry Fontenot, he just got another position. There's still good faith there. And so I think that that still speaks to the Saints' ability to retain talent as well, as opposed to if they made like a bad Houston Texans level decision of firing him or moving on from him. Uh, Danny Curley will go to next. What are your plans during the offseason? Not much NFL news until the draft. I, I, here's my thing. I always have NFL news up to the draft because you still have all of free agency. You still have all these pro days. You still have in-house free agents that the Saints need to retain. You still, we still haven't seen Drew Brees make his announcement yet. There's actually going to be so much to talk about. So I've, I've already broken down a little bit about what each day is, but every Monday we're focusing on mock drafts. Every Tuesday we're focusing on your questions, the listener questions from Twitter. Every Wednesday we're looking at a year in review, reviewing a different position group within the, the Saints facility. Every Thursday we're doing our top three Thursday, reliving top three moments, top three plays, top three players throughout the 2020 season, and even some all-time conversations as well. And then on Fridays, we have our Facebook Fridays getting these questions just like this, as well as looking at free agency Fridays 
in terms of designating players to watch over the free agency period, both in-house and from outside the facility. And those are just segments. We still have everything going on across the NFL that still speaks to what's going to be talked about here on the show. So this show is not slowing down at all. There might be a, a moment in June to where we shift to three shows a week, uh, three, yeah, three shows a week, a couple of weeks. But as far as like, are we going to be busy here? We're going to be very busy here. So don't you worry about that. We got you covered here all throughout the offseason still here on Locked on Saints. And then to wrap us up, Michael Murray, what offseason moves do the Saints need to make to win their fifth straight NFC South title? I have two basic rules for the Saints here. Add another dimension on offense in addition to signing to re-signing Jameis Winston. So you re-sign Jameis Winston and then there's that what is that extra element, that extra wrinkle, that extra thing that you can add to the Saints to give them an additional dimension over on the offensive side and then retain as much of the talent on defense and special teams as you can? Because that's where a lot of these outgoing free agents are coming from. They're coming from the defensive side. And then there are the guys like JT Gray, Craig Robertson, Dwayne uh, Washington, T- uh, Ty, Ty Montgomery, Michael Burton, Justin Hardy. It's those guys in free agency that I think you hold on to and continue to be one of the best in the NFL in the third phase of the game and retain your defensive talent as much as possible. You've put you're giving yourself a little bit of a boost in the secondary by being able to bring in Chris Richard as your defensive backs coach. You still have Dennis Allen. You still have uh, Ryan Nielsen. That's the biggest thing. Maintain continuity on defense. Add the, and special teams, and then add an extra element over on the offensive side. Oh, and we got one last one that just dropped in. We've got Alex Shiflett here who asks, what do you think about Marvin Jones as a signing if he was willing to come on a team-friendly deal? If he's willing to come on a team-friendly deal, I think he's an absolutely outstanding option. I think he's going to get paid somewhere, but he would be an absolutely outstanding option. That would be a conversation to where if he came in at less than Emmanuel Sanders, then maybe moving on from Emmanuel Sanders would then make sense. I'm not in a hurry to move on from Emmanuel Sanders by any by any means, but if you get a cheaper, younger guy like Marvin Jones that can operate opposite Michael Thomas and the Saints were to make that decision, I would understand. I'll say it that way. All right, y'all, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Y'all enjoy your weekend. We'll be back on Monday. We got our Mock Draft Monday coming up, as we just talked about with a ton of programming all throughout the offseason, and it all kicks off again on Lundy Girl right around the corner. I appreciate y'all, as always, for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust You That Nation. I'll holla at you.